Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Welcome to the Ultimate NFL Season Preview, presented by Odyssey and the Locked On Podcast Network. Our Locked On local experts are here to help you get ready for the NFL season by going division by division, covering every team, their rivals, and the best players. But first, our Odyssey insiders Ross Tucker and Jason Lockenfor are here to share their thoughts on each division. Today's episode, the NFC North. Let's kick things off. Let's go to our Odyssey insider Jason Lockenfor with his thoughts on the division. The NFC North is Green Bay's to lose yet again. And I believe the Packers do have enough talent to win the division. I don't, however, buy a true Hollywood ending where Aaron Rodgers rides off into the Green Bay sunset with a Lombardi trophy in his hand. It doesn't usually work that way. And while Green Bay has enough talent to win this division, I don't think they're a Super Bowl team. I have issues with their defense. The Minnesota Vikings will be much improved, and I believe will give Green Bay a run for their money in the North, balanced enough team, Dalvin Cook, they know how to use him in the pass game and the run game. Kirk Cousins, I think, understands finally what it takes to win for Mike Zimmer, and that means protect the football. And the defense should be much improved from a year ago where injuries and opt-outs really prevented them from getting their best 11 ever on the field. The Vikings, to me, certainly could be a playoff team. The Chicago Bears, that defense, not quite at the level it was in years past. Too many players, I think, on the wrong side of 30. I'm not buying their offensive line whatsoever, and they'll probably wait too long to go to Justin Fields. He will be an upgrade over Andy Dalton, but the time lost in his development early in the year while they play Dalton, well, you don't get that back, at least not this year. Chicago, probably middling team, somewhere between six and eight wins. Just good enough to make you think they're in the hunt. Not nearly good enough to win anything. As for the Detroit Lions, well, Lions fans, I wish I had something to tell you other than this. But the fact is this rebuild has just begun. I know you feel like you've been rebuilding for a generation, but this team is years away from competing. I've talked to people from other organizations who face them in the preseason, say it's arguably the worst roster in the league. Not really any position group to hang your hat on. If you're telling me the Detroit Lions have the first overall pick, I wouldn't be entirely shocked. Hi, folks. Welcome back. Ultimate Division crossover. Matt Derry, Lauren Cox, Luke Braun, and Peter Bukowski, NFC North. Let's talk about the Packers. Of course, the team that uh, is going to be favored to win the division again, won it last year. I've had all the headlines with Aaron Rodgers. Peter Bukowski is the host of Locked On Packers. Peter, what a wild summer it's been in Green Bay, huh? What's funny is for all of the the upheaval over the course of the last six months, the, the team really hasn't changed that much. I mean, when you, when you look at the, the roster, the guys that were out there in the NFC Championship game, they're going to be the guys out there in week one against the New Orleans Saints. So when when we think about, okay, what has really changed from last year to this year, 
it's going to be the defensive coordinator. They bring in Joe Barry to replace Mike Patton. Um, there's going to be some some different schematic tendencies associated with that front differences and coverage differences, but it's going to be mostly the same guys. Uh, Eric Stokes, the first round pick from Georgia, could end up being the week one starter at that right cornerback position. He and Kevin King probably going to be in a battle right up until um, the, the final days before week one, which, by the way, we don't know where that week one game is going to be. Originally was going to be in New Orleans right now. Jerry Jones uh, saying um, that that he is working with the NFL to get that scheduled at Jerry World, not even just if necessary, get it scheduled at Jerry World just because that might be the, the best plan of action right now. It, it doesn't seem prudent to have it be in New Orleans where we are right now with all of this. But for the Packers, it's going to be this offense that was excellent last season, number one in a lot of metrics, and is run by Aaron Rodgers, of course, an offensive line with some question marks in terms of who's going to be out there. But I still think, you know, once David Bakhtiari gets back, you slide out and Jenkins back to left guard. Um, you, you bring in Josh Myers, who's replacing Corey Lindsley, probably going to be some drop off there, but the rest of the offensive line more or less intact from what we saw last season and skill position players. It might be a deeper group than it was last year. They trade Randall Cobb for their quarterback. They, they draft Amari Rogers in the third round. AJ Dillon coming back and will have a bigger role in this offense with Jamal Williams now uh, in, in Matt's Detroit. And they love Kylan Hill, 256th pick. There were not 255 players in this draft better than Kylan Hill. And we've seen a lot of flashes of that in the preseason. I think this team has a chance to be really, really good once again. And there's a reason that that they're the favorite. I, I don't know that that they've done anything that would make you say, okay, they have come back to the rest of the NFC North. I don't know if you guys feel differently about that. Yeah, it's like the same Packers, more or less, right? You switch this guy for that guy, move a guy on the offensive line and stuff, you know, the normal things. But it's still the Aaron Rodgers, Matt LaFleur team that's gone 13-3 and three two years in a row. But here's what I want to know. Is there a vibe in Green Bay that this is the last dance? Because, I mean, like, that's what, you know, Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams both feel like they've got one foot out the door and they're ready to leave the second the curtain closes on 2021, however 2021 goes. Is that it? Is this it? Is is, is the long-standing NFC Northwide nightmare finally over? <laughs> I, I think for Aaron Rodgers, probably. Um, Devonte Adams is still negotiating a contract with green Bay. Okay. And that was, that was happening over the summer before we had clarity on, on Aaron Rodgers. before Aaron Rodgers had clarity on Aaron Rodgers, And, uh, reportedly that is ongoing. Um, they are still working on a deal. Devonte Adams wants to be the highest paid player in it at the position. Uh, the Packers, Brian Gutekind said on record, we want to make Devonte Adams the highest paid receiver in the league. We just disagree on what that means. That has to do, of course, with the DeAndre Hopkins uh, fake $54 million extension. It's not really $27 million a year. But of course, Devontae right. Adams, he's going to advocate, hey, that's what I should be getting, even though the next highest paid guy is in mm -hmm. that like 22, 23 range. So if they can bring Devontae Adams back and it seems like he's willing to be back, irrespective of what happens with Aaron Rodgers, then no. But I think everyone is being honest about what this means for Aaron Rodgers and where he is. This is Super Bowl or bust. And so if they don't win the Super Bowl, I think there is a, a much better chance than not that Aaron Rodgers asks out or retires. And it might be the case that he wins the Super Bowl and, and retires as well. I, I think everyone is treating this like this is Aaron Rodgers last year. 
um, in, in Green Bay, including and especially Aaron Rodgers. Well, Peter, I imagine with everything going on with the quarterbacks that it feels like it's been overlooked this offseason, the defensive coordinator change and some new pieces in the secondary, the linebacking core. Well, where's sort of your confidence level in this Packers defense to try and keep up with Aaron Rodgers a little better maybe than they have in other recent years? So I was just I was actually just talking to uh, a coach about this um, yesterday, and we were we were talking about some of the differences and some of the different techniques, and and he was really bullish on what this meant for the Packers front, um, what it meant for Rashawn Gary and Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith and Kenny Clark in particular. Um, he was like, I think Kenny Clark is going to be a ten sack guy this year, um, and I, that's that might be a little hefty for an interior defender, but. Um, it is a defense that I think caters to a lot of the strengths that this team already has talent wise. I'm not, I'm not worried about the talent. Talent is not the problem. Talent is, is the, the fact that they have plenty of talent is the reason Mike Patton is no longer the coach because he did not get the most out of this talent. Can Joe Barry do that? I think this defense puts them in a position to do that. Um, you need really good safety play. Adrian Amos has played in this defense before his, some of his best seasons in Chicago, Lauren, you know, this were with Vic Fangio playing next to a dynamic, young playmaking speedy safety who could cover a lot of ground. Well, Darnell Savage is that guy, Eddie Jackson's best seasons in Chicago, not a coincidence. We're playing next to Adrian Amos, who was able to do a lot of the dirty work and, and just be the reliable solid. I'm always in my spot guy. The, the guy who is going to support in the run because they're going to play a ton of two deep and they're going to play a ton of light boxes. And so if you're going to play a bunch of quarters and cover six, you better be able to have your safeties help in the run game. Darnell Savage has been an inconsistent tackler. I think that's the one knock on him. And, and Adrian Amos is the opposite. He is as steady and sure in, in that regard as, as you could ask for. And I think that mixed with Jair Alexander on the outside, you just don't worry about him. You want to lock the backside against trips and let him just play man. Great. They can do that. And so a lot of the things that this defense already is sort of built in to help them do this, it fits the personnel. So I like the fit. Can Joe Barry make the same sort of in-game adjustments that Brandon Staley can? Can he game plan the same way Vic Fangio can and make those in-game adjustments? Those are the questions that we don't have answers to right now. And so that's, that's what we're waiting to see. Well, each of us is supposed to go through here and take one player from the Green Bay Packers that we would want for our competing NFC North team. And Matt Deary, I want to start with you because these Lions, I think I think it's maybe the most straightforward of, of where you might want to go there, but do we need to make this the non-Aaron Rodgers category considering maybe all three of our teams might take Aaron Rodgers as a week one quarterback? Where would you go for Detroit? Uh, the Lions wide receiver room, and obviously we'll talk about this later with Detroit, is the worst unit. You have any unit on any team in any league in any sport. So uh, <laughs> Devontae Adams would be a much-needed booster shot uh, in these COVID times uh, for the Detroit Lions. So I would take Devontae <laughs> Adams for Detroit. Is Aaron Rodgers vaccinated? Yes. <laughs> then Aaron Rodgers. No, okay, so it's boring to say Aaron Rodgers, so I'll say Darius Smith. Um, the Vikings still, I mean, they've got Daniel Hunter, the other edge rusher opposite that is like a shell of Everson Griffin and like some dudes, uh, bringing Zadarius Smith in to bolster the pass rush would be pretty insane. I would be so tempted to take Adrian Amos back to the Chicago bears. I know he's not the, the headliner <laughs> there, but you know, they haven't really been able to find a, a, com a really consistent replacement for him. Obviously Devonta Adams would be, you mean how Clinton Dix couldn't do it. 
You know, he he had his year and it was okay. <laughs> that was a weird debate that happened. <laughs> that was fun to watch from a distance. Yeah, Bears fans were arguing that their player was not as good as the Packers player, and that was a weird twilight zone of what 2019. <laughs> that's for sure. Honestly, give me a healthy David Bakhtiari. The Bears offensive line is Pretty in shambles one. to start this season, and. If you're trying to help your rookie quarterback build something into the future, you got to give him some protection. You got to give him some weapons too. But I'll at least I can feel better about Allen Robinson. But uh, the uh, offensive line itself is is not necessarily putting this team in the best position to be successful o- overall. Peter, are you are you where's your sort of comfort level with that? With how the Packers are sort of arranging? I don't want I don't mean to loop back in too far here, but that's one thing I wanted to touch on quick before we go is a couple of changes around there. You've, where's sort of your confidence level in them? They are. Very comfortable with Elton Jenkins playing left tackle. Royce Newman looks like he's going to win that right guard job with Lucas Patrick. That means that they feel like he's better than Lucas Patrick, who was solid for Green Bay last year. Uh, we'll see who starts at left guard, whether it's John Runyon Jr. or Lucas Patrick. Um, either way, it's going to be Elton Jenkins' job as soon as David Bakhtiari is back. And given some of the tea leave reading that I've been doing, uh, I think that could be as soon as week one. I, I think David Bakhtiari is going to be back sooner than later. Thanks, Peter. That's our look at the Green Bay Packers. Up next, Locked on Bears and Lauren Cox. We'll take a look at Chicago coming up next. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. All right, moving on here with the ultimate NFL season preview. NFC North here. Luke Braun of Locked On Vikings. Peter Bukowski of Locked On Packers. Matt Derry of Locked On Lions. And now we're talking to Lauren Cox about your Bears. So tell me where the Bears are at. Who's starting at quarterback? Is the defense still going to be okay? I, I wh- What do we even expect from this team at this point? If I had all those answers, I would feel a lot better about where this season was going to go. But it's <laughs> there's a lot still to be determined with this team, and that's that's the problem, right? I guess the only thing we do know for sure is that Andy Dalton is your Chicago Bears week one starting quarterback. We don't know if he'll last longer than, say, like Tom Savage in Houston during Deshaun Watson's rookie year, where I think he made it to halftime before they switched to put in their rookie quarterback. <laughs> I get the impression that Matt Nagy fully intends to give Andy Dalton at least some more leash than that. I mean, even as Dalton's kind of had ups and downs during the preseason and, and training camp, he keeps saying, well, we haven't seen Andy in the regular season yet. We can't, apparently we can't properly evaluate him until we see him in the regular season. And to be fair, he hasn't had this full cast of starting offensive linemen. There's been some, they've been given some veterans some time off at receiver and certainly Jimmy Graham and then the defense as well hasn't really been full strength. So we haven't seen exactly what this Bears offense and defense can do up to this point. But there's a very clear and expected feeling of exactly how we thought it would go, that you draft Justin Fields, you trade up for him. He's got all the talent in the world that, you know, Bears fans fall in love with him and he plays better on tape in the preseason. We don't get to see practices the way that Matt Nagy and them do, but like it feels very clearly like it's only a matter of time and maybe that matter of time should be now. Like there's, Mm. he's shown enough of the flashes. We've seen little rookie mistakes here and there, but nothing that gives you concern. Like he's not ready to start week one, but, but they, they told Andy Dalton when they signed him as a free agent, you are QB one, you are our week one starting quarterback. And it's basically been operating on this sort of promise of like, he's been essentially promised that he gets to start at least 
week one, and then we'll see from there. So whether that's whether that's three games, that's five games, that's ten games, to be determined. But it does feel like Justin Fields is, is ready whenever the Bears feel ready to actually give him that opportunity. There's been some concern among Bears fans. Well, let's not start Justin Fields week one against Aaron Donald and the Los Angeles Rams behind a struggling and injured Bears offensive line right now. But where do you draw the line then? Because they play Miles Garrett in week three with the Browns. There's good pass rushers all over their schedule. You can't hide your rookie quarterback forever, and you can't be scared. I mean, he's he's a mobile quarterback. He can extend plays with his legs. It's, he's not David Carr, who's just this, you know getting back there, thrown to the ground all the time. You know, there's there's some different things you can do to try and protect this. So that's really been where all the focus has been in Chicago is quarterback, and then the offensive line in front of them kind of allows the defense to skate by a little bit when they have a defensive coordinator change of their own. Chuck Pagano retired, and they, they brought in Sean Desai, who's been an assistant with the Bears for a long time, really bright guy. He's been here since Mark Trestman. He survived three head coaches and two general managers, and they really like him as this sort of young, up-and-coming heir to Vic Fangio, but it's an aging defense. They shedded talent with Kyle Fuller being a, a roster cut for salary cap purposes. There was some thought that maybe Akeem Hicks might have followed suit. They were able to kind of keep that all together, but they need their pass rush to play better. Their secondary continues to sort of lose talent and kind of replace it with run-of-the-mill guys, and you, you wonder how long that's going to hold up, and it's sort of, they're sort of banking on this return to a more Vic Fangio style of scheme to be what gets this defense back to more of that level of play, but it's going to really take some guys that have been struggling the last couple of years to really dig deep and rediscover what made them so good and try and get this defense back to where it needs to be to support your rookie quarterback, or even more so, support Andy Dalton, who might even need more support than Justin Fields at this point. Lauren, I was going to ask you about the defense because it does seem like lost in all of the conversations about Justin Fields versus Andy Dalton. Everyone just assumes this defense is going to be really awesome again this year. And I I, I mean, there are some obviously some very good players. Kalomak is still there. Akeem Hicks, who maybe kind of wanted to not be there anymore, is still there. Um, Jalen Johnson had a, a really good rookie season. Um, Eddie Jackson is now rocking the number four. So stock up on Eddie. <laughs> but I'm looking at the rest of this cornerback room and and you're talking about, you know, Artie Burns, who couldn't make it in Pittsburgh, Desmond Trufant, oh who's on his third team in three years, I believe, and something called a Kindle Vildor. So, I mean, <laughs> respect Kindle Vildor, one of my late draft crushes well, of the <laughs> I, I, I feel like we have to I, I need a little bit more explanation for where you are with what this defense is, is going to be, because while there is some talent on it. There's some also some aging talent and some pretty big question marks at key spots. Yeah, it's it's a weird feeling where it's like, you know, like every offseason, every team is supposed to feel like they got better, right? Oh, we signed this guy and we drafted that guy and we, you know, we, we upgraded here and here. But if you like really stack up this Bears defense, they didn't actually add anyone. All they did was replace Kyle Fuller with the names that you suggested there, which is very clearly going yeah, to be a step not back. Kyle Fuller. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like they, they swapped out, you know, Barcavius Mingo, their third outside linebacker for Jeremiah Tauchu from the Broncos. Right. But otherwise not much changed. And so then what is to say that this defense is going to be better than they were last year? If you have literally 10 of the same starters and your rotations are pretty much the same guys at this point. Like All it comes down to is all this faith in this young defensive coordinator that studied under Vic Fangio and all the players compare him to Vic Fangio. They say he has a lot of similar demeanors. They have similar ideas about the defense and that the scheme is supposed to get them back closer to what Vic did. And to be fair, Chuck Pagano definitely drifted 
away from some of that and was a little bit more old school in terms of a lot of single high coverages and, and not as much of you know the, the cover two cover uh, the cover four and cover six especially that you were talking about with Joe Barry and Green Bay Peter like that's that's where Eddie Jackson in particular has always been at his best if he can be like a split deep safety and just work on a half of the field like that's always been where he's been able to be aggressive and go after the play make it you know go after the ball and make plays on, on turnovers the idea is that maybe schematically, if if Jackson can kind of get back to form and if some of these pass rushers can just be a little bit healthier this season and maybe the defensive coordinator, Desai, can know, work the rotation better, better stunts, better slants, I mean, different for, just different alignments for you know putting Mack in the best position to be successful. I mean, it's it's all very abstract and, and not very concrete as to, like, here's the exact reasons why the Bears' defense will be better, and I think it's a very real concern. I think there's a baseline amount of defensive veteran talent that, like, they're not going to be a bottom of the NFL group, but there were some real concerns about them last year, and they didn't really do a lot to bolster it in the offseason. Tell you one thing, being being in Detroit, um, and we're talking about the Bears, who would just steal one player away? I'm having a hard time. You guys know how bad the Lions defense was last year, and it's going to be better this year because it can't get any worse. But <laughs> Roquan Smith's a really good football player. Eddie Jackson, those those are two guys, man, I would steal in a heartbeat for Detroit. Uh, <laughs> Luke, what about in Minnesota? I mean, I, I kind of just want to say the edge rusher again, right? Like Khalil Mack's kind of the easy one. Um, but again, that feels boring. So I'll say, I mean, yeah, you could talk about Ro, uh, Roquan Smith. You could talk about Akeem Hicks. So the Vikings are really, really stacked at DT right now. Um, so. I don't know. You know what? I'm going to say Justin Fields because the Vikings actually kind of like tried that. in the draft. They they didn't try very hard. They <laughs> offered a third or a fourth round pick to Carolina to move up. And it was like they didn't even they hung up on them. <laughs> uh, but they kind of tried. And there was interest in Justin Fields kind of divided interest among the Vikings. Um, so I don't know if I could end if Elvis, maybe that trade goes through. Maybe the Vikings end up with Fields instead. Um, so I'll take that. They're hurting at backup quarterback anyway. So worst case scenario, you've got that settled. And otherwise, you've got your successor to Kirk Cousins. I, I have to say, I, I love that one. Um, I don't like either of those guys being in the division with the Packers, if I'm being honest. Um, so I'm going to I'm going to uh, borrow from from Matt, uh, because Roquan Smith was immediately the name that, that came to mind. Linebacker has been a barren wasteland for the Green Bay Packers since like one year of Desmond Bishop. Um, and you know, some, some nice stuff from AJ Hawk. The time that he flipped off the sidelines was great. Um, and he's awesome on the Pat McAfee show. So um, shout out, shout out to AJ Hawk. Um, but but this is also, especially this year, been a defense that has been able to succeed. I mean, the Rams were the best defense in the league last year with guys that you cannot name at inside linebacker. And, um, you know, not that the Vic Fangio in Chicago didn't have great ones, um, and and certainly with the San Francisco 49ers, I mean, Patrick Willis, Navarro Bowman, incredible linebacker talent on those teams. But you can do it without it in this case. Still, Roquan Smith would be the guy for me. All right. So that's the Bears. Next up, we're talking about my uh, stupid, dumb Vikings. <laughs> and uh, we'll see which of the four of us hates the Vikings the most. Minnesota Viking fans, much like their quarterback, in a glass case of emotion going into the 2021 <laughs> season as they try and figure out what is going on between Mike Zimmer and his players. He's not happy with them. Hopefully, he'll be more happy with his defense in 2021 than he was in 2020 when he called it one of the worst defenses he has ever been a part of. 
This is, of course, more with our NFC North crossover. Lauren Cox from Locked on Bears, Luke Braun, Locked on Vikings, Matt Derry, Locked on Lions. And Luke, we are talking about your team. Uh, there have been a number of changes, especially defensively, coming into mm -hmm. the 2021 season. You and I do not necessarily agree on what some of those mean. So let's talk about them. Yeah, so I think the biggest one is not necessarily a personnel change. It's a scheme change. Um, you know, Mike Zimmer has been a four, three coach for his whole career. Um, and he has borrowed a lot of Vic Fangio esque stuff that I know we're familiar with here. He's borrowed from Brandon Staley and Patrick Graham who do a lot of the same things, even borrowed one of the players from Patrick Graham. And if you look at what the giants defense did last year, you can kind of get a preview of what the Vikings are going to do this year. They've been running this stuff in camp. It's it's happening. They're basically running more three, four esque stuff. They're going to be a hybrid four, three slash three, four. Um, and what that means is that they kind of need some really, a really weird personnel. So their roster looks weird as heck. Um, you know, they've got Dalvin Tomlinson and Michael Pierce, two nose tackles. What do you do with two nose tackles and Sheldon Richardson in there to add to the other defensive tackles? Um, they, of course they get to Neil Hunter back. Nobody understands Anthony Barr. What in the world does Anthony Barr do? Um, and the secondary is reconstructed as well. You know, Harrison Smith is Harrison Smith just signed a huge extension. Xavier Woods from the Cowboys. You got Patrick Peterson, whatever he can do still. Um, you have Bashad Breland, who had a really good camp, tough game against Kansas City in the preseason, but otherwise a really good camp in preseason. So um, it, you kind of have this completely reconstructed defense. It's a bunch of veterans who have all been around the block. You're not teaching people stuff from scratch. They're doing complicated calls. They're doing complicated stuff. Um, it's going to be a really difficult team to plan for. Um, and I think the the magic of it all is that it, it doesn't seem like the kind of defense that needs to ask too much from any one given player, which really was the downfall last year. They needed to ask Anthony Harris to be Troy Polamalu. He ain't that. Um, and they, they won't need to ask that anymore, which is why I'm more bullish on the defense, assuming they can stay like reasonably healthy, which they did not in 2020. Um, but last year they were soft and now they're not soft. I think that's huge. What's the story, Luke, with the quarterback situation and, and certainly the vaccination deal and yeah. Kirk Cousins, Kellen Mond, that whole thing. I, I know it's been probably you could do a, a, a daily show about it, but where are Pretty we much now as we get closer to week one? Yeah. So uh, there's no quarterback controversy or anything. Kellen Mond isn't remotely ready to to play. He showed a couple of flashes in the preseason, but he very clearly has a lot of development to do still, um, which is fine. He was not supposed to be you know ready week one or anything like that. Um, so Kirk Cousins is the guy, but I think the intrigue comes of what happens after this year. He has a big giant $45 million fully guaranteed cap hit um, that might be traded to someone else if the relationship has soured, which it seems like it has over the vaccination stuff. Um, for people who don't know, the Vikings are like the least vaccinated team in the league. The players who are not vaccinated aren't random depth guys. They're Harrison Smith, they're Dalvin Cook, they're Adam Thielen, and yes, Kirk Cousins and Kellen Mond. Um, and I, I don't know. The primary purpose of the Vikings is to be funny. So they're doing that. <laughs> it's, I don't know what to really say about it. I mean, it's, and, and Mike Zimmer is clearly just beside himself. He says things like, man, the, the things these guys read are woof. Like he's just absolutely flabbergasted as to how so many of his principal important star players have 
willfully chosen to put themselves at risk of missing games. Whether or not, regardless of the politics of vaccines or whatever, if you are unvaccinated, you are subject to different protocols that give you a higher chance to miss a game. Um, and e even that, he says, like, look, if they miss a game, they miss a game. And he's worried about family and stuff. So he's just beside himself with these Vikings. And I think if that sours the relationship interpersonally between Mike Zimmer and Kirk Cousins or Rick Spielman and Kirk Cousins, yeah, it might be a little bit, they might be a little bit more willing. They have not picked up the phone about Kirk Cousins, um, despite Kyle Shanahan weirdly pining over him and all these other guys, uh, you know, trying to, you know, people in bad quarterback situations wanting to trade for Kirk Cousins. Um, the Vikings have been not interested at all. Cousins is the guy they're married to him. I don't know. It's, it's getting a little, things are getting a little rocky in the marriage uh, and we'll see what happens next off season. But for now, the team goes as far as Kirk Cousins does. He's a streaky quarterback. He's inconsistent. And if he can put together the right streak at the right time, anything can happen, but that's a lot to ask. The, the offensive coordinator, um, I believe this is, I mean, how many, how many has Mike Zimmer had in the last three years? Um, <laughs> this is now Clint Kubiak, um, it, it, similar scheme. Are we, are we doing the same thing? Is there going to be some sort of, um, evolution of the scheme or is this, is this going to be very much what we've seen the last couple of years with the outside zone, the boot, the shot plays, all that stuff. Yeah. That's the, the sort of pitfall of being a defensive coach is either your offensive coordinator is good. And then somebody hires them to be their head coach, which has happened twice, or your offensive coordinator is bad and they get fired or Gary Kubiak just retired because of his health issues and stuff. And there's nothing, uh, says that that relationship was soured or anything like that, but you just kind of have to keep replacing the guy. But since 2019, it probably wasn't soured. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, but he like since 2019, they have been in 99% the same DNA of offense, same Gary Kubiak wide zone. We've saw him do since he was in Denver with Terrell, Terrell Davis. It's the same system, same one you're running in green Bay, same one. I think the lions might run now with Anthony Lynn. He always wanted to do that in LA. So it's all all the same thing, which makes it really interesting that, you know, the, the Vic Fangio defense is kind of tailored to beat those wide zones. So it's really interesting that the Bears are going back to that. The Vikings are taking some stuff from that. Um, I don't know where Joe Barry comes from uh, or, or what the Lions are doing, but it's it's interesting that there's so much wide zone in this NFC North. And it seems like the sort of agreed upon counter to the white, wide zone is now growing in popularity here, too. And it's a fun little meta. But I think in terms of the offense, there is a little bit of a wrinkle that Clint Kubiak has has uh, added, which is more pre-snap motion and stuff, more motion at the snap, jet sweeps, end arounds, reverses, stuff like that. They've run a few of them in the preseason. They drilled it a ton in camp. So I think that is, and that's a wrinkle a lot of people were begging for in 2020. Um, so I think we'll kind of see that. Uh, but otherwise, no, it's the same terminology and stuff. You're, you're not going to veterans on the offense that are complaining about how they have to get used to a new offensive coordinator. It's all the same stuff. The only difference is a different guy at the play card. Um, and it's, it's all the, the same system, the same cadences, the same terminologies, it's the same language. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I don't think there's a continuity issue in Minnesota. It's just a different guy doing the plays. And now we have somebody with like no experience, but also new ideas. So you get the pros and cons of that. Maybe I'm projecting a little bit when I keep asking about offensive lines, but I know that's always been something in Minnesota that it's, it's like every year it seems like they make these changes, but it's never like the big change. Of course, they drafted Christian Derrissaw, but like where's your sort of confidence level in terms of uh, supporting Kirk Cousins and actually giving him some time to throw and actually getting the ball to some of these receivers that, you know, obviously make this Minnesota offense. And of course, I guess blocking for Delvin Cook in the running game, too, is pretty important for them. Yeah, like it's weird. It's better than you think. Uh, so Oli Udo was a sixth round right tackle 
that's starting at right guard now and like killing it. Like he shut down DeForest Buckner um, in, in the preseason. Ezra Cleveland was a tackle that's also a guard convert that's doing well. And then you have um, Christian Derrissaw's hurt. You're familiar with that, Lauren. <laughs> um, so when he comes back, he'll maybe get the job. But right now it's Rashad Hill who's kind of been the backup who gets a, a chance to start. And then you have Garrett Bradbury and Brian O'Neill who have been there. Um, so yeah, the, the offensive line actually doesn't seem like the biggest weak spot right now. Right now, my biggest concern is at quarterback, which is, I've always been concerned there, um, at tight end where Irv Smith is hurt and the depth is shaky and secondary, but it's mostly depth. I think the depth is my biggest concern with the Vikings. You lose the wrong guy and things can kind of topple over. It's a very top heavy roster. So as we look at this Vikings lineup and steal a potential player for each of our NFC North teams. Peter, let's start with you. Where where are the Green Bay Packers seeing a potential advantage that they could pluck from uh, from Minnesota? I just just for sheer uh, craziness, give me Justin Jefferson because he was someone <laughs> that I wanted so badly uh, in Green Bay pre-draft. The Packers also really wanted Justin Jefferson in in yeah. the pre-draft process and. It is the case that the Vikings were the ones who traded out of the 25th spot to allow the 49ers to come up and get Brandon Ayuk, who the Packers also liked. And then <laughs> that led to the Jordan Love pick at 26. So that is a hell of a sliding door. Um, and to maybe have Justin Jefferson and Aaron Rodgers on the team where Aaron Rodgers is like, yeah, sign me up until I'm 45. Let's do this. Um, I wonder if Rodgers would like Thielen more because they're like friends. Well, only one of them They're is like vaccinated, together. so um, <laughs> True. that's part of the problem. Um, if if I'm if I'm you know the the Eric Hendricks is the other name that I thought of um, for the same reasons that I said Roquan Smith, but I just sure. think Justin Jefferson with Devontae Adams would be filth on a level that that maybe we've we've not seen since maybe Moss Carter. I mean, that would be like two of the best five receivers in the league on the same team. It would be pretty fun. I'm with Peter Detroit, Justin, Ro uh, Justin Rogers, Justin Jefferson is a fantastic and <laughs> no, not Justin Rogers, the Lions beat writer for the Detroit news as I missed <laughs> but Jefferson's a beast. He and, might have uh, to start for the, the Lions at some point, Matt. <laughs> and, you know, Peter, I, I lobbed that run one right to you um, and you knocked it out. But yes, uh, I mean, what, what, what a, what a rookie season for that kid. And, and, and I mean, I just think the sky's the limit for him. He would be an amazing fit in Detroit for sure. Lauren, what about in Chicago? Yeah. I mean, I, I would have to also take Justin Jefferson first and foremost. I just think there's, there's the <laughs> yes. talent there is extreme, but like if Harrison Smith was a couple years younger and maybe even, I, I'd still take him right now, but I, you know, long-term, I think Justin Jefferson is mm -hmm. probably the wiser overall investment but in terms of a guy that I would love to pair with Eddie Jackson in Chicago I would love to absolutely see Harrison Smith and him on the back end and playing off each other I think there's a lot of playmaking potential between those two guys well we've got one team left the process of elimination you know which one it is we will talk about <laughs> the, the Lions and how many knees they will bite this season Lauren Cox here from Locked On Bears here with Peter Bukowski from Locked On Packers, Luke Braun from Locked On Vikings, and Matt Deary from Locked On Lions. Quite a an offseason for Detroit, a new head coach, a new quarterback, a lot of changing, and still, yet somehow it still feels like a lot of things are the same in terms of state of the franchise right now. Matt Deary, wh where, where do you end up after being on this ride of press conferences and quarterback trades? Do you feel any better about the direction of the franchise than you did, you know, eight months ago? Um, surprisingly enough, I do. 
Um, I'm not talking about this year, though. Let's be honest. We're doing a, a, you know, we're crossing over talking about the 2021 season. This year is going to be a big time throwaway from a win loss record for this operation down in Allen Park, Michigan. Uh, Dan Campbell is establishing a culture. Yes, the kneecap biting. Yes, uh, you know, the five sh- double shots of espresso every day. All, all these things are fun. <laughs> and it's a bit of a circus at times, but he is real. He is legit in terms of a uh, player buy in. General Manager Brad Holmes has a history in Los Angeles, working with less need of finding diamonds in the rough, you know, mid-round when it comes to the draft and UDFAs. So they're going to have to build the team that way. But, you know, I like the direction they're going, but I'm not sold on the quarterback for now or in the future. And for 2021, having to play, you know, Aaron Rodgers twice, and they never beat Minnesota or Chicago, it doesn't seem like. And then this schedule with the AFC North and the NFC West, it's going to be very difficult for this team to win four or five football games this season. The roster just is completely barren uh, and needs a lot of work. How do you feel about Jared Goff going forward? Because it seems like the team like believes in him as the franchise guy. Uh, to me, it seems like he's a Band-Aid. He's just a dude that's going to kind of run the throwaway seasons till you get the real quarterback in there. Like, that seems how it's going to play out. But I would imagine the Lions disagree with me. Yeah, you know, I think Brad Holmes, because of his history with him in Los Angeles working for the Rams and was part of the group that drafted him, Brad Holmes really likes him a lot. And you look at what's behind him. Uh, I dubbed a Tim Boyle Mr. August after many discussions with Peter about Tim Boyle's greatness in Green Bay. He was laser flat out awful. He was <laughs> flat awful in the preseason, and now is a broken thumb. David Blau is behind Goff, uh, the, the the you know sort of cast off from Purdue, a good young man that I don't think is very good. They didn't draft any quarterbacks. Uh, they didn't sign any quarterbacks. So uh, they did sign Boyle, but no one else. They believe in golf. They think that they're going to see the golf from 16, 17, as opposed to the golf from or 17, 18, as opposed from 1920. The last two years, he's not done well. Uh, and obviously the Rams discarded him for Matthew Stafford. It was time for Stafford to leave Detroit. And there are some that are sad here that he's gone. There are others that are just happy to see somebody new and something fresh. Um, Stafford, you know, talking about how he wants to play in big games. Hey, bro, you played in plenty of big games here and you failed. Don't do that. Uh, Jared Goff's not going to have an opportunity to play in a lot of big games. The Monday nighter in week two at Peter's Packers will be interesting, but I, I think he'll be fine. I, I, but I, I do believe that if he's just fine and not great, they can get out of his deal after 2022 and they can draft somebody in 2021 uh, or in 2022 as well. So I don't think the future is golf, but if he plays really well, yes, he's got a lot of believers both with the leadership and Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes and and some of his teammates too. I imagine it'll be hard for Goff to play well when he's throwing to real estate agents and insurance salesmen. Uh, how how have the Detroit Lions <laughs> justified to the to the media and to the fan base their complete and utter lack of like experienced wide receivers? Like like I mean, I, Quintez Cephas flashed as a fifth round rookie last year. Sure, I mean, there's 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 not absolutely nothing but it like I think you called it earlier the worst position group of any team in any league in any sport <laughs> it, is. it is I mean people are excited about Trinity Benson and the Lions <laughs> think about this Fred Matt Fred you just made darkness. that name up no 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 you made that name up no That's he got real. a guy cut in Minnesota in the preseason caught a fade on him Trinity Benson comes from the Broncos in exchange for fifth and seventh round picks next year and He's a UDFA. 
but but the Lions have nothing there. They just they they went out and got Tyrell Williams and Brashad Perriman in the offseason. Tyrell Williams is decent, comes from the Raiders, but is not a number one. But he's the number one on this team right now as we record. Brashad Perriman got released, and that was two million dollars that they guaranteed him that they are basically oh. flushing down the toilet. You mentioned Cephas, Amon Ross, St. Brown they like, but those are mid-round draft picks. St. Brown is a slot guy. Cephas is not real fast. So the wide receiver room is a big problem, and they're going to have to address it in next year's draft um, and hope they get lightning in a bottle with Benson or a former lacrosse player um, in Tom Kennedy that they have on the team. It's really a bad room. And TJ Hawkinson is a Pro Bowl tight end, and golf is a check down guy. So there's going to be a lot of backyard, five-yard button hooks to Hawkinson and then hope that the ground game with Swift and Williams can get the re- can move the chains. Because as far as expecting some aerial show, uh, no, that's not going to take place in Detroit. And that's, that's the one room that really, uh, with Marvin Jones gone, Kenny Galladay gone, all those guys gone, Amendola, they really haven't replaced any of those guys. I do just need to say, sorry to interrupt, uh, but as we're recording this, Ian Rappaport reporting the Packers are keeping all pro uh, David Bakhtiari on PUP to start the season. So he will miss the first six weeks at least of the year. I said earlier, I thought he was going to be ready to go. He will not be. I have a feeling I know. Ready to go. I, I have a feeling I know which player you're going to want to poach from the Lions now. <laughs> well, I feel really good about Elton Jenkins um, playing left tackle. Um, but, but with that being said, um, if you're going to have Jordan love be the quarterback sooner rather than later, you know, why not take someone like Panay Sewell and who has, you know, as much physical upside as we have seen in the draft in a long time at the tackle position could be a guard. If you really needed him to be, let's, let's have some fun. Let's, let's do that. That's who I'll take. It's interesting about Sewell in the preseason. He really struggled. PFF uh, destroyed him. He was the lowest rated line offensive player. For PFF in the preseason, right? He's very, very young. Yeah. He's playing on the right side, and he was a left tackle in in, in college. That's the Lions' probably best uh, group is that offensive line. It's going to be decent. Um, Ragnow's a Pro Bowler, but uh, we'll see about Sewell. I think he'll be good, but there were some concerns certainly in August about his performance. Speaking of first round picks for the Lions, is Jeff Okuda going to be any good in Aaron Glenn's scheme? I mean, oh, we, were yeah. all, we were all ready what to blame to him? Matt Patricia as like, well, this is Patricia's <laughs> defense, but like, is is it is that a simple enough fix? I don't know. I I, I can't answer that. I I think he's he's shown. Play. Here's the thing: when they say in training camp, Okuda looks good. He's going up against, like Lauren said, real estate agents and receivers. So, of course, I could have looked good backpedaling, too. He got in the preseason in week two. Uh, the Steelers are throwing deep balls on him all day. And, and so that's the when, when you're taking it's there. If he was taking 15, 27, 32, second round, it's you're like, okay, you know, young cornerback. When you're taking number three overall by former general manager Bob Quinn, you got to perform better. Um, he's going to play. He's going to play a lot. He's he's the he's the, the headliner at that spot. But we're going to find out in week one against Garoppolo and Lance, and then week two against Aaron Rodgers if he, if he can do it. Uh, a lot of pressure put on him. But when you're taking third, you got to. And he doesn't have much safety help. That's the other thing. I don't, I'm not real bullish on this safety group either. So we'll see. We'll see how he can handle himself. It's not going to be as much man as he was playing under Patricia. There'll be more zone, which probably will help him a little bit. So they make up for um, inconsistencies at struggle at quarterback with uh, an under-talented defense and a first-year coaching staff. So I don't, I don't see what could go wrong. <laughs> it's I a throwaway hear- year, right? Like, 
That's it, it, like, it, I'm more it, concerned about the future of the Lions than I am of the present of the Lions. And like, you've got this kind of albatross contract that you inherit from, from LA that Brad Holmes drew up anyways. Like, is this in a going in a good direction? Seems like they're two years I, away I from do, being two I, years away. That's well, where I'm at no, too. Yeah. I, I think, I think they are two years away. I do believe that they drafted pretty well this year. We'll see. Let's give them another draft next year. Um, but yes, they've, you, you can't funnel out everybody. I mean, they cut Jelani Tavai. That was a former Bob Quinn second round disaster pick. Carry on Johnson, same thing. You, you can't swing and miss on all these first, second, third rounders and then try to build a team. So the, you got to give Holmes and Campbell at least this year to show that the attitudes are better, that the building is together, and 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 everybody's happy. And yeah, they're going to lose a lot of games. Like I said, the schedule's brutal. I'm actually I'm, I'm intrigued by who Lauren and, and Luke would take off the roster because we've been trashing this team for the last nine minutes. <laughs> There's got to be somebody else that you like. I'm, I'm very intrigued. I'm actually between two. Uh, Taylor Decker would be one just because the Vikings okay. are kind of struggling at left tackle. But I mean, they've got a guy that we're just waiting for him to get healthy. They got a first round pick. So I've had a crush on Romeo Okwara for like two years. Oh and God. I really wow. wanted him to hit free agency this last year. I love Romeo Aquara. I think he's awesome as an edge rusher, power edge rusher. You don't see that. You know, you got all these like really technique, like technicians. Romeo Aquara is just a bulldog, and I love that. Give me him. Luke took pretty much word for word. You could take everything he just said and apply it to the Chicago Bears. <laughs> that I was looking at We're Taylor Decker. Team. <laughs> I've got it. You know, I've got a left tackle, but I need one. I need one immediately. And then if not him, I was looking at Lions pass rushers, and I was like, I know Trey Flowers hasn't really done what they thought he was going to do in terms of sack production. And Romeo Aquara, I would love, I mean, Robert Quinn's been a huge disappointment in Chicago and Aquara pairing him up with Khalil Mack would actually be so much fun to do. I'd throw Frank Ragnow in there just to, just to add something different for myself. But it, it is, it is, I would say fairly slim pickings at this point. Well, that'll, that'll wrap up our Detroit Lions discussion. We'll step away for a quick break. And when we come back, we will try and figure out, where we think these NFC North teams are going to finish and how much different it will be from 2020. All right, last part here of the ultimate NFC North preview presented by Odyssey here on the Locked On Podcast Network. We got to figure out how this division is going to wrap out. So we'll start with Peter Bukowski, Locked On division winning Packers. Give me a ranking. Well, uh, I think the first and the last teams are easy. I think Green Bay at the top and Detroit at the bottom. But it's going to be a dogfight for two and three. And I, I think both Chicago and Minnesota have have real expectations that they're going to go to the playoffs this season. I think the the certainty at quarterback makes me lean Minnesota in this case. I think Kirk Cousins is just going to be better than whatever we get from Andy Dalton for as long as we get Andy Dalton. And then when Justin Fields saves Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace's contract, um, and they get a five-year extension. That that's just going to be <laughs> wonderful. Be so um, <laughs> I, I'm thinking. I wish everyone could see Lauren's beside face himself. As we're, we're, we're recording this, <laughs> but um, I think Minnesota is. You know, I, they're maybe like a. They could win nine or ten games. I think ten and seven is probably the right number for them. Um, Chicago maybe more in that eight or nine range, and then Detroit in that something. What's a number less than five? Pick one, and that'll be where <laughs> Detroit lands. I think. Um, and so, yeah, I think, I think that's, that's what makes the most sense to me pretty similar basically to, to last year or, or two years ago, even, um, I, I, it's going to be a lot of the same since, since my Chicago bears finished second in the NFC North, I'll, I'll jump in second here. Um, and although that, that's a weird point. Somebody, I, I was, I had to like, remember the other day, like 
Do the Bears finish second or, or third with with the Vikings? Because it seemed like back and forth all season, and when a team lost six games in a row last year, it was hard to hard <laughs> hey, to feel like they were. David really a Montgomery set a career high against the Vikings with both of the both team seasons on the line. You should remember that. <laughs> I certainly do. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, I think we're all going to be in the same at least the same starting point with Peter is that, yeah, Green Bay Packers at the top and, and Detroit Lions at the bottom. But shaking out in between, for me, it, it all comes down to just how soon do we see Justin Fields on the field in Chicago. That if, if he were starting week one, I think that there would be a very, very strong consideration for me as like a legitimate playoff push in Chicago that I think I think he can he can be a talented enough quarterback to – actually like elevate the level of play of players around him to not that he would fix a bad offensive line or or a bad defense necessarily but he would certainly go a lot longer toward doing that than than I think Andy Dalton can so I I, I really struggle with what the leash is going to be on Dalton because if we get three games of Dalton and then you know 14 of fields I, th- I think the Bears could win more games than the Vikings over that stretch. I don't, I don't trust Kirk Cousins to be consistent enough for long enough. He'll have a stretch of the season where the Vikings look great, and like they're going to be they, – all the problems are solved, and then we'll have that stretch where everybody's getting fired and they're going to change quarterbacks, and we'll see whether that happens first or second. But I feel like Dalton's at least going to get some, some leash here to really kind of show because there's a lot of familiarity in the Bears coaching staff. So, like – I, I I really do struggle with this. I mean, I I I think we'll see enough Justin Fields to put the Bears right at about that nine to ten win spot. And and kind of like Peter was saying, like I think I'm sort of the reverse of where Peter was, where I'm putting the Bears at like nine or ten wins, and I'm putting the Vikings at eight or nine. And I'm not sure it's enough for either one of them to make the playoffs. But it's kind of flip a coin as far as who's going to be second or third for me. Yeah, I, I think it does feel kind of automatic. Like, all right, Packers on the top, Lions on the bottom. But you know what? That's boring. Let's have some fun. Vikings win the division. Screw it. Vikings, Packers, Bears, <laughs> oh. Lions. Let's go. So here's here's what I'll say. Packers, there's discord in the ranks. Yes. There's there's blood in the water. And and even the most talented teams can be undone by interpersonal conflict. Uh and and this weird pressure of the last dance. Things, you know, Matt LaFleur is a young coach. He's been overridden by by Aaron Rodgers. There's, you know, he's not getting his play calls in right. It's, it's disaster. Um, and also with the bears, I think, so I, I loved Justin Fields as a draft pick. Um, and I think from what we saw from him in the preseason, I do think there's a little bit of a snag in terms of just sort of the way that he processes right now. Um, and just some, some reads that he misses and stuff and it's rookie stuff, but rookie stuff takes a while, you know, it's, he'll be a rookie. So if he does get in, even as talented as he is, um, there are things that defensive coordinators can take advantage of here. And that's probably why the Bears don't want to do it yet. Uh, so I, I don't know. I mean, and he could overcome that by week two. And, and that's that. Um, but like, I don't know. I kind of feel like the quarterback situation isn't perfect yet. Now, you want to ask me 2022. I think Justin Fields is going to be a superstar. Uh, but but right now, there's some temporary issues the Bears have to work out, and I just I don't believe in that defense. I believe in the defensive line, but I, I, I'm so concerned about those corners, and I feel like the defensive line can only do so much to help them. And then, yeah, the, the, the Lions in last. I said on Locked On NFL that I would shave my head if the Lions won the division. Oh, man. Well, here in Detroit, obviously, we're going to pick the Lions to finish fourth and uh, not bash <laughs> them too badly. We know it's a rebuild, and 
like we talked about with Detroit, uh, attitudes are better. The, the culture is much better, but now it's, just, you have to have material. You, you culture doesn't, you know, cover kicks and, uh, and make tackles. But with that being said, I will say green Bay too, at the top, um, I've been a Viking slappy on these crossovers the last few years. And I've always said, I like that team. I love the, the identity and the defense and everything else, but I just have a hard time thinking that with this whole vaccination situation and, and, and your leader of your team, Kirk Cousins wanting to be in a bubble. Oh, he was never the leader of the team. But, but, but it just, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Which I mean, is its own at, problem. <laughs> like, like I'm looking at two road games to start the year for Minnesota, then Seattle and Cleveland at home. I, I, I could see Chicago finishing second and, and fields getting a chance early and, and doing well and re- revitalizing Hallis Hall a bit. So I'll, I'll say Green Bay, Chicago, Minnesota, Detroit. Um, I'm not going to fully say Zimmer is going to get fired. I, something's happening there. Right? And, and obviously, uh, Luke, you know that. But there's still a lot of talent there, too. I'm still a huge Kendricks fan and a huge Smith fan and that defense. But I, I have a weird feeling that this is this this whole, uh, you know, this whole COVID thing could, could hit that team. And, and uh, that wouldn't be a good scene. There's a lot of doom and gloom surrounding the organization right now. And the only ones who aren't buying it are the players. (laughs) Well, Matt, like, I don't want to like keep this two lines focused, but like what would be like a best case scenario Lions win number for you? And then do you think if the Vikings have the COVID season from hell and, you know, say even if it's just like Kirk Cousins misses a couple weeks here and there and then maybe other key players test positive and it's it's really maybe they they lose. What do they they sacrifice a game if, you know, you you, I mean, if. Forget that. If if Kirk Cousins gets tackled awkwardly and breaks his ACL and is out for the season, the Vikings are a two-win team. Well, that's that's what I'm wondering. So, like, is the Lions' ceiling above the Vikings' floor here? No, I, I would say the Lions, if they won six games, I think that would be huge. I think five or six wins. I mean, like I said, BetOnline.ag, our, our good friends, had him at five, over under five, most of the summer. Then it went down to four and a half when Rodgers announced he was definitely playing, and now it's back at five. Uh, I think mm-hmm. five or six wins would be. I mean, they just don't have any talent. I mean, there's yeah. just not a lot of material, and so that's you know, like so the O line's decent, the D line's pretty good, but linebackers, secondary, receivers, you're not sure about golf, and having to play Cleveland, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Seattle, Arizona, the Niners. I mean, that that that's that's brutal. That's a brutal schedule, and then they got to go to Denver. So. so Against that defense, so I, I just I see a four and thirteen, five and twelve football team. That's what I see. It's a weirdly kind of settled for for everything that changed and almost changed in all the whirlwinds around. Pretty much every team but the Vikings had some kind of whirlwind this offseason, whether it changed everything. We just had ours in training camp. <laughs> yeah, I, I suppose with yeah, I was gonna say you you were the last to get there. It it, it weirdly feels like. A lot changed and, and nothing changed in a lot of the same ways in this division. That it, it does still feel like the pecking order is stable for 2021, but it seems like 2022 is when all bets are off. We don't know who the Packers yeah. quarterback is going to be. We don't know who the Vikings quarterback is going to be. We don't know who the Lions quarterback is going to be. And we know that the Bears quarterback is... We, we don't know that Justin Fields is going to be great, but we have, a, we have a good feeling about right. the Bears being very well off at quarterback to the point where... The Bears could have the best quarterback in the division. In, there's there's a there's a path where the Bears could have the best totally quarterback could. in the division in 2022, and that's when this thing would really get shaken up. And right now, you could argue they have the best situation because they're the only team that knows who the guy's going to be. Well, Jordan um, Love, but that they know who Jordan Love's going to be. Oh, they just don't know if he's any good. <laughs> they know they know he's going to be there. <laughs> 
All right. We are going to wrap it there for the ultimate NFC North preview. Make sure you go on the Odyssey app or wherever you found this show. Make sure you go listen to all the other ones. Most, if not all, should be up by the time this one goes up. So make sure you go listen to all the other divisions, all the trash talk, all of that good stuff. Till next time, for Peter Bukowski of Locked On Packers, Lauren Cox of Locked On Bears, and Matt Derry of Locked On Lions, I'm Luke Braun of Locked On Vikings here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for everyone tuning in to our Ultimate Season Preview. To wrap things up, it's our Odyssey insider Jason LaCanfora with his predictions for the division. The Green Bay Packers will repeat yet again as NFC North champs. It will be a tougher climb than in some years past. I'm not sure this is a team that's only going to have three or four losses at the end of the year. I do worry a little bit about the offensive line. They're going to have to keep that unit as healthy as possible. Not sure they have the kind of depth there that they'd like. Aaron Rodgers, obviously, always a candidate for the MVP award. But I think last year will probably go down as one of the true great Aaron Rodgers seasons. I don't think he can play to that level again. I still don't think they have quite the complement of players that they'll need to really get over the top in January. My biggest concern to the defensive side of the ball, where are the sacks coming from? I like the secondary to some degree. The front seven, though, I believe, all that money invested in it, still not going to be good enough to make the Green Bay Packers get back to a Super Bowl but they will win this division. Tune in tomorrow as we continue our eight-part series breaking down all 32 teams across all eight divisions ahead of the 2021 NFL kickoff as the ultimate NFL season preview brought to you by Odyssey and the Lockdown Podcast Network continues. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is high. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.